The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Shenzhen Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast i am your host dan tom analyst is where you can find over at mmajunkie.com but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're going to do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this hopefully it's before the fight uh getting this recorded and uh out uh 24 hours before the fight uh so I guess on pace as per usual, it's Thursday night here. The fighters have just weighed in, uh, even though it's Thursday night here in the United States Pacific time over here in Las Vegas. They are, of course, fighting in Shenzhen, China for UFC Fight Night 157, UFC ESPN Plus 15, UFC Andrade, Andrade versus Zhang. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Shevchenko. In fact, I already put like a, a typo. Like, the, like hey, this fight was at 125. I don't know why I can't get that out of my head. But yeah, full breakdowns up there. We're going to be breaking down the card, of course, from top to bottom, but not right away. A couple notes off the top, of course, as per usual. A reminder, if you want to jump ahead, I don't blame you for not wanting to listen to me. Uh, you can. You can jump ahead to the very end where I do my picks and plays or check the show notes on whatever you're listening to this on and uh Check the show notes there, and I, I timestamp where the breakdown starts. But don't worry, it's not going to be a self-indulgent episode like last uh, episode, or at least it felt that way. It felt like a very selfish episode. I apologize, it was necessary. And again, hopefully you got the positives out of that, and uh, for what it's worth, I'm not going to talk about it too long. and going to keep it much more snappy here, don't worry, folks. But yes, yes, for those wondering, I am feeling better. So hopefully it was a proverbial stinger, um, I've, you know, been... been Going kind of extra crazy, just cut out everything, eating insanely clean all week. And now I'm starting to finally jones for like a burger or something. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the weekend goes. But no, I'm going to keep it keep it clean, you know, stay away from the lava shack. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm doing better. So uh, pushing on from that. And thank you guys again for reaching out. And just, just the the positive stuff, man. It reminds me of people actually listen to the show for one, and that you know, two. Uh, this is pretty cool. People listen to this show, so so thank you guys. Um, all right. Um, well, shit. I don't have this written to like. Yeah, we're gonna blow through this fast since I mentioned it. Might as well change up the order. Yeah, lava shack there. Oh man. Oh how the mighty have fallen, boy. Boy, uh, you know, this is this is fanboy Dan Tom like oh, ten years ago or over ten years ago just. I wouldn't break the news to him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, even back then you heard these stories. I don't know if it was like 2005 or when it was. Like BJ Penn getting in an altercation and hitting a cop. And, you know, I wasn't in the know, certainly. I mean, I'm, hell, I'm still not really in the know, right? But uh, obviously back then. So you just kind of maybe right off, well, hey, man, I know how my people are. I know my Hawaiians are. They're getting scraps. 
You know, maybe things were heated. A cop goes to break it up. He doesn't see it. The cop turns around. Boom. I think I just probably just redid a scene in a movie there. It's probably from a movie, right? You know, I make excuses. But, yeah, man, uh, you just look at all the uh, shout-out to uh, my colleague there, Dave Doyle. He, uh, you know, he, in his article there, his opinion piece, he really kind of just lists everything. And it's really, shoot, all this, uh, at least, you know, some of the incidents may go older, like the, you know, domestic abuse allegations and whatnot. But all this stuff's really, like, within a year of itself. Like, Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it's just it's just really sad stuff. The dude doesn't need a fight. He needs help. And I'm not trying to be on my high horse or beat a message that's already there. But even before this, um... If that Lentz and BJ Penfet would have came out, I'm not just saying this and then really watching or saying it just to say it, to get a reaction. I give a shit less about that. Uh, and I'm not one to boycott anything, to be honest. I've never really felt that approach. I don't know. That's like not my thing. But like that might have been the first thing I boycotted of just UFC, MMA, and really anything in life. I don't really boycott much. Uh, but I would have just not actively not watched that fight. Um, so I really don't care if it happens or doesn't happen anyways, uh, or if it didn't happen, I should say, uh, obviously. So, uh, yeah, it's just really sad. Hopefully, uh, he gets help. Um, Dana White, Contender Series 26. Yeah, the last one, last one of the season happened. Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad it, it was, it was, it was fun. I really liked doing the pre-show. Thank you guys for all tuning in. That was really awesome. Thanks for the opportunity for Junkie. People made it happen, like John Morgan and... Ken Hathaway, who's like pretty much running like a TV show behind the scenes there. Uh, shouts to my man Julian Marquez, who came on for a, a, a guest sit-in and, and killed it when he did, as per usual. Uh, but I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad that they're not bringing it back as well, because, you know, aside from me and many, obviously, but just trumping the horn of too much MMA, for Christ's sakes. But I think they even admitted as much so when they got through to Dana, who, you know, Seemed really gung-ho, a little less gung-ho, and then much more definitive at that last scrum as far as we're not seeing another one. Um, I mean, there's just there's just so many organizations out there, and you look at it, – it's kind of crazy. They signed mo mo more, mo like the most people this season. I don't know what the – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's, it's more than season one or two, right? Not combined, I don't think. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's the leading season. But if you look at the talent, it was also some of like the lowest talent on paper and – Everything else, so you know, uh, as, you know, as far as who was coming in and even who made it, who made the cut, you know, the list of excitement and ceiling, people seem less. We don't know until it happens, of course, but people just seem less optimistic. And you can't blame them because, again, on paper, it was like the least amount of people kind of coming in. Uh, at least, you know, like it was, it was much more sparse records. You know, something me and John will be talking about. We we kind of huddle up and and, and and get together before these pre-shows. And something else I was asking John, I was like, I know you don't have the top of, top of your head, but I feel like there were a lot of decisions this season. In fact, I, off the top of my head, I, I would say there, there was also more decisions this season than the others. I didn't, of course, I didn't take the time to go look that up, but uh, but I would say so. You know, the the the, the beginning of season three, and definitely the beginning of season three, and the end. Um, I know this because I just I always keep track of. So I was bad about eating before then, so I was usually starving by the whole day was over, and I'd be like, ah, oh, I could use some first-round finishes here. Got to get the scrum in. And then sure enough, we kept having, like, all these decisions, and then he still kept signing a bunch of people. So I was like, Jesus Christ, this is really... But yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't just me, though. It was There was a lot of decisions. There was a nice sweet spot in the center of the series, but that's about it, so... And then, uh, oh yeah, and then uh, props, to, props to John uh, 
first reporter asked uh, Dana, I think, believe at least in a public scrum forum of, about Conor McGregor's rapist allegations. And uh, <laughs> I tweeted actually the wrong thing, but no one gave me shit about it, surprisingly. Although I guess no one's really... Well, it was really uh, defending Dana White really these days. It's not really a cool thing to do, so I guess it really didn't matter. And also, it was essentially the same thing, but I tweeted, um, the quote that I tweeted was, uh, they got the wrong guy, but, uh, you know, what he actually said was, uh, let me see, uh, it's not him. I mean, or it's, and then there's something else attached. So it was essentially in the same spirit, so I don't think anybody was too thrown off, but um, that tweet got a lot of attention, so I just wanted to at least kind of, you know, come clean on that typo on my end. Uh, not that it changed the message or intent. All right, Darren Till, Kelvin Gaslam News, and then I put article because then I ended up um, doing uh, an article for, for Junkie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll incorporate a little bit of matchmaking talk. It's not really my thing. I'm not a, I'm not a Zane Simon or a John John Rico, if you will. Shouts to those two gentlemen whom whom I love and he speck, but uh, yeah, it's not really my thing, but it's fun. Sure, it certainly is. And, you know, you just look at who's booked and who's not, and uh, there weren't a lot of sexy names available, and I didn't think of certain ones, like uh, shouts to my man James Lynch, who uh, suggested uh, Anderson Silva and Marshman. Uh, as we were talking in tweet today, um, I know James did a video on it, but I purposely actually didn't watch that because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, like, if, I didn't want to use any of James's, and if I did, I, didn't, I wanted it to be organic. So knowing that he had complete different ones, uh, mission accomplished. And for what it's worth, I actually like James's better, even from the Jack Marshman, from the random name, which I went kind of super hipster, random, contrarian, as, as Dan Tom is. So I pretty much put, like, no sexy names. And I was also going to have a sexy name. I was literally midway through writing it, and sure enough, Carlos Condit was booked. So um, I kind of scrambled. And I did want a, a welterweight representation because – Till said he wasn't done. And I did want to at least throw one of those in there. And I felt like, uh, like I explained in the article, like Diego Sanchez um, accomplished the same spirit because he was a veteran name. Uh, and people were like, what the fuck? But, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny. It's like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I don't believe, and I acknowledged as much, like, hey, I, I don't believe in booking these guys without conscience. But if these veterans are going to pass medicals and continue to push on and people around them are going to continue to allow it and UFC is going to continue to book it all these check marks obviously I don't agree with BJ Penn uh, hope, hopefully they just cut him or whatever and, and oh, yeah, that's a whole other story but Diego Sanchez minus the out of the octagon stuff aside from his craziness which has been really since tough one uh, you know he's definitely nearing that range right so I get that but I also believe kind of like with the Tim Bosch one it's like Dude, these guys don't have that many fights. Just you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna do it, um, at least you know tie in a name and make sure it's relevant. Like Bosch had a, a two fight losing streak, so it was Till. You know, Bosch's uh, they've done that pairing before with Johnny Hendricks, where they do the welterweight moving up to middleweight. Let's give him not the best guy, but a name and a good test, uh, Tim Bosch, and you know we'll see. And when Tim Bosch wins, it's great, right? He gets to go out on fucking top, uh, not on top, but you know what I'm saying, with another classic win against a big name in a higher profile spot than just getting buried on the fucking undercard, which let's face it, he would be. He's, he's not, uh, I, I, I disagree with my man, man uh, Gabe, Gabe Killian. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he would be. Um, shouts, thanks Gabe for, for going back and forth. And everybody else who was, uh, everybody was pretty cool. Even people that were like poking fun, like everybody's pretty cool. And I don't know, I don't really, I'll take that stuff too seriously these days. I don't take the article too seriously. It's all in fun. 
But uh, but the banter is definitely fun. And uh, but yeah, I, I just that was kind of my argument for that. And also people saying the Diego Sanchez. The, the hypocritical thing about the people that would criticize the Diego Sanchez pick is that's those same people wouldn't criticize or at least would criticize a lot less, a whole lot less, the Carlos Condon pick when in all actuality, Carlos Condon is on a way worse losing streak. I think it's like six fights or something he's on a skid, five or six fights, whereas Diego, it's, you know, he's technically only has lost one fight. And that fight was to Michael Chiesa. And say what you will about Chiesa or his ceiling, maybe, you know, uh, who, by the way, shouts to Fitz and the Fighter, loving those podcasts he does. Man, Chiesa opened up. It's hard not to be a fan of that guy after hearing uh, his more of his story. But uh, say what you will about Chiesa, but, like, he's a quote-unquote undefeated welter. A younger, still a younger name, quote unquote, undefeated, uh, uh, well, well, welterweight, right? And uh, they gave him to Diego Sanchez, or they get, you know, uh, they matched him up there. So why not a guy who, granted, he fought for the title, but those same people again going, you know, uh, making countering this argument, or were the same people going, you probably shouldn't have got the title shot. Which, you know, there's some there is some truth for people that do say that maybe that Cerrone win was the worst thing that happened to him, right? Uh, and then he, you know, it wasn't a, a great fight, so you can't say robbery either way. But let's be honest, I don't know. I don't, he squeaked by Thompson, you know what I'm saying? So uh, the same, if you were saying that, that you can't say, oh, you can't hang your hat on. He's a former title challenger. Why, why would you put him in anything but a big fight? Like, And again, kind of the big looping thing, which I learned with a lot of the... Man, the, the the article really sparked us. So you know, hey, I guess that's 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 good or whatever. But it's always good to get people uh, to chime in. But like, um, but what I noticed from majority of the chimes was just like, uh, bigger fight, bigger fight, bigger fight. And I'm just like, man. And I know it's not necessarily even a majority argument. But if those same people, I will say, are are the ones wondering why why there's no tune up fight for Connor, or you know why there's no tune up fights in MMA, like. You wonder why, because this is the general attitude, because we can't be still clever and americratic, you know, uh, about it, which is the kind of the arguments I made. So I definitely went hipster contrarian. I, I no, no, no shying away from that. Uh, and then my best pick, of course, Brad Tavares, boom, gets booked. So this the UFC machine, man, it's kind of hard to do these kind of hot matchmaking articles, too, because... Shit gets plugged away and business gets put away fast. Unless it's, uh, if it's not, then you know why. Because, uh, I don't got an update on Masvidal and Diaz. Like, uh, by the way, uh, the way Dana's saying that, it almost makes it sound like, uh, yeah, I don't really think it doesn't take too kindly to these, uh, these guys trying to take matchmaking into their own hands and, 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 and cutting him out of it. And, 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 uh, in a somewhat of a sense, of course, they can't cut him out of it. He's the USC prize, but you know what I mean. So, I'm guessing that's why tactics have stalled on that. Um, which I did another like love triangle analysis article, saying that I thought maybe Mosfet will be the easier one to do business with. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for sharing and the kind words, uh, Nolan, James, uh, uh, Gigi, George. Uh, by the way, speaking of George, George doing an awesome job. Um, uh, with his new series. Oh, by the way, just go go. Make sure you're you're. If you haven't got the memo already, uh, if you were a subscriber and mid junkie, you don't you shouldn't have had to change your feed. Just go ahead and refresh that. They're back two days a week, and uh, they're also on Patreon. I, I haven't seen links on Twitter. I believe those guys are pretty uh, good about it on their Facebook though. George and Goes Garcia. Um, they're doing bonus stuff there, and just just to support the show. And of course, still free two days a week under. 
MMAJunkie.com, USA Today banner as uh, as as a per usual. And, of course, uh, they're doing new projects as well that are not Patreon. That'll just be out. Um, I retweeted one earlier. Uh, it was, again, James Lynch uh, retweeting out again, giving, giving us a, a shout. But uh, the Off Guard series uh, that uh, George is doing, uh, learned some news about Cody Stamen. I didn't realize that uh, he's living in Vegas now and uh, caught up with Kevin Lee the other day. So definite shouts to those guys. Um, already covered BJ Penn and just shouts and we'll get to the breakdown finishing out the shouts uh, The Athletic, I haven't said too much since their start uh, and to be honest, I'm so busy and uh, it's, hard, it's hard to read and really, especially really right now i got to really limit what I'm reading and watching just prioritizing it to work but I did hatch out some time to read of course uh, my man Danny Shap, Dan, Dan Shapiro at Danny Shap of course he's been around the scene combat sports scene uh, Twitter uh, putting out his written work Many places, and uh, first piece for the athletic was one that spoke to me because you know me uh, with with China being close to my heart and just uh, the uh, the history of martial arts there. Uh, he puts a really good one, kind of catching up from pretty much a couple of years after I left there from training. You know, about two thousand five ish, the scene picking up. Talks about guys you may uh, recognize from the day of the wolf T Tranjong, like those dudes and. Uh, coaching, why we're seeing the Brazilian influx, and you're hearing about all these coaching guys from whether it's Brazil or even I think Jackson Wink even sends someone out there. He goes through it all, and then also just a shout out to uh, Nanda Fernanda Fernanda Pratas who did the uh, Nick Newell article. Nick Newell not not an easy guy to write about. I know that from my piece, uh, but I'm a big Nick Newell fan. I'm a big Fernanda fan, and it's an excellent piece. So was uh, Sean Alshadi's on B Logic Boss Logic. Uh, I love getting hit with that from left field. As of course, the hardcore is no boss logic for his posters. He's kind of a, a great success story, has moved on, and kind of learned from where he came from there. That was cool. I also sh shout out again, you know, hey, it, 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 you know me, it doesn't matter. As, as, I'm Team MMA Junkie, and I'm always good about giving my junkies love. And shouts to Junkie Nation as well. I miss you guys from Junkie Radio. But at the same time, I, I'm not one. Uh, I will shout out other uh, competitors' sites, shows. It doesn't matter. If you're good, you're good. And Casper uh, and Dennis, who I met back at UFC 200, just just good dudes uh, at Submission Radio. Always enjoy their stuff. One of the few MMA podcasts I I have uh, uh, still on the old subscribe list there. And they did a recent one with a Robert Whitaker interview worth checking out. Because uh, Robert Whitaker talks about uh, a bit about, uh, and I'm sure more will come out when he does his actual speaking tour, about mental health and whatnot and the importance of that. And uh, especially with my podcast last week, the stuff, my history and struggles, uh, it obviously speaks to me. And uh, it's good to see, you know, even uh, tough SOBs at the top of the sport world champions aren't impervious to this. It's not just something you can turn on and off, folks. Uh, also, shout to MMA KO Champ at MMA KO Champ. MMAKO, I believe, is his YouTube channel. He did a UFC Shenzhen little promo. He's a listener to the podcast. And last shout-out, because I, I shouted him last week when I was, hopefully he didn't get mad at the comparison. I, especially with me and Aaron, between my take and then Aaron's take to my take almost kind of a, kind of proved my point there when I was doing the old comparisons last week. But you all know I love Aaron Bronstetter and his work, and I didn't give him his podcast proper Shout one of the few uh, MMA shows I listen to on the regular and subscribe to. That is TSN MMA show. Him and Joe Valtellini over there. And of course, Aaron does great work. We love Aaron. All right. Wow. Okay. Just under 20 minutes, I believe. And we are going to be on to the breakdowns, right? All right. UFC 
in Shenzhen. I almost was here, folks. I teased that. Not too much of a story there. There's kind of a crazy family story that's not really worth it. I'm going to get into too deep, but it is pretty crazy. And uh, some family didn't realize I have kind of survived, thrive, and have some businesses down there in Shenzhen. I literally found this out like a week and a half to two weeks after this fight card was announced. And went to my passport. Of course, my Chinese visa is just long gone. I'd have to reapply for that. But my passport, uh, I wanted to see if that was still valid. And that was actually out of date too. So I just did the quick mental math on those things, how long they would take. It's not fast, those visas, folks, especially the passport. You know, I would probably have paid the fee to get the expedited version. I'm not sure what that fee or what the expedited version is these days. I've done that before. But long story short, it just it just was it was going to be way too tight. Uh, uh, and, you know, let's be honest, uh, the, the ticket wouldn't have been cheap, though. Um, I might have actually got some family to help out. They were excited to possibly see one of us. So could have parlayed it in there. And I'm sure my junkie wouldn't mind having, like, the only U.S. reporter out there. Um, or so, but, uh, but anyways, uh, but yeah, so no, no China for me would have loved to have gone, of course, was back there pre and post 9-11, 2000 and 2002, trained at the Shaolin Temple. Um, and, uh, and I'll go and re, uh, I did like a thread kind of explaining some cool things with some pictures. I'll go and retweet a couple of those here within the next 24 hours before UFC Shenzhen, Shenzhen starts. Um, and, and and to kind of save you guys from uh, you know, me just being old man Dan Tom and rehashing like uh, rehashing rehashing a bunch of the same stories, um, but there there are some fun ones there. So I'll go ahead and and, and retweet that. Um, yeah, and on my notes here, we'll go with the breakdown. So we're gonna go from top to bottom as per usual, folks, uh, and we'll recap our picks and plays at the end. Of course, top we got the strawweight title fight. 115 pounds, Dan, not 125 pounds. Um, between Jessica Andrade, who's still holding at the minus 190. I'm surprised people haven't steamed her for just being one of the only familiar names over at Weili Zhang. Uh, plus 165. But, you know, I, I've said a lot of the proverbial stuff, albeit, I, of course, I have my reasonings for it. But a lot of other people, and people I respect, but I just think that the, what I'm trying to say is the kind of line got around, not the line, but the, the, the gossip got around that, hey, Shank's pretty good. Um, and uh, it's not just some pushover. They didn't just pin her up just because they're going to China, albeit that is a large reason for the booking, if you can make sense of that double-edged sword. Um, that's, I guess that's, that's, at least that's my guess for why the line is kind of stabilized, because I don't blame people either way. I don't think the dog is big enough for me to want to take the shot on Zhang, because I had trouble. Albeit, I didn't know if I had trouble or not because of my Chinese biases, right? I mean, of course I want, of course I would love for a Chinese fighter to win, and of course I don't want to be on the wrong side of history, especially when it's my own people's history. So, how much of that was that really fucking with me? I don't know, but I do believe that the technical side and the evidence that I did see, the things that I could make out, did all still go in the check boxes of Jessica Andrade. So. I, uh, I went that direction, and uh, at, at risk of, if, if I am overcorrecting the steering wheel, I'm at risk of being on the wrong side of history. But yeah, spoiler alert, picking Jessica Andrade. Um, you know, you know, seeing Weili Zhang be, be able to work off of her back kind of scared me, if you look at, you know, some of Andrade's uh, submission losses, but... 
you know, it's been almost three or four years since the last of those Bantamweight submission losses, and she's went up in rank and earned a brown belt uh, since then. Been a brown belt for at least a year now. Uh, looks like she's working a lot of ground in this fight. I think she knows it's going to be wrestling, whether it's part of her game plan or not, because Zhang, another, another reason why uh, I... Um, Sorry, wow, my brain is starting to kind of fizzle out. That that, that concussion life bar stuff I talked about. I've been doing good, but uh, I'm dropping out here. Stay on target, stay on target. Uh, Zhang, uh, part of the reason why I picked against her is because even though she has distancing tools, not only is she not as long as the Rose Nami Yunus uh, prototype or the, uh, you know, at least for that first round, or the Yoani and Jaychik prototype, uh, and we'll get into the weapons in a second, but... She just can't help herself from crashing the distance. Like, she's played the game before where she'll see she can circle, but that's usually if she's gotten, like, kind of stung or something or just didn't see, saw something she didn't like and wants to reset um, or perhaps is kind of taking a break, but she doesn't really take a break because uh, she does keep a good pace so far, but she will go, like, from fourth down to third or third down to second is fair to say. I think third down to second is probably more apt because she's countering. Uh, as far as gears go. Um, but yeah, she just can't help herself as far as wrestling. And she parlays it really well. That's part of the, the Wushu Sanda. Um, everything is off of kicks and motion, left to right. We'll talk about the left to right with Elise uh, Zaleski Dos Santos here in a second. But Wushu, a lot of it's about, and I, I never studied Wushu, so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Um, but a lot of it is very much left to right. Uh, uh, motions, which is what sets up why there's a lot of hooking punches attached to the kicks because you naturally counterbalance your kicks with hooks, right? Um, or vice versa, act depending what you're throwing or what order you're throwing. And then going into the grappling layer of Wushu Sanda, um, it works as far as the outside trips and hip tosses and those types of maneuvers as well uh, when you're swinging, winging left to right on the inside and it just kind of parlays that, that left to right motion. Uh, she also has good front teeps and sidekicks. She mixes that wushu sando to like almost a Muay Thai. Um, her, her Dan Hardy, by the way, just a lot of his international tape studies, UFC-wise, so you get a lot of Dan Hardy. Uh, just one of the one of the best analysts, man. One of the best analysts. The way he it, his his style is completely unique. Um, but he does it on the fly, you know. He does it on the fly, and that's just really really tough to do. Uh, my man Robin Black really is good about thinking outside the box, um, and he can do it on the fly as well, and he does great commentary as well. But uh, I guess that's maybe the only kind of close comparison, except Hardy just has his own style of it, and he just does it really well on the fly. So I just wanted to give Hardy a shout. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, also, shout to Jack Slack. I didn't look at it, but I, I don't know if what... He always has really great takes. I don't know what his background is. He has his really good, great takes. Um, of course... Part of that reason I, I, is why I no longer watch his videos, but I will give him a shout because he's really great. I just I got to keep him out of my filter, so I didn't click on it. But I believe uh, on my Twitter timeline, he probably I think he put out a piece something about like the Wushu Sanda sidekick, and uh, and uh, so probably worth you checking out. All, all I'll say the only thing I only take I can offer it is just from my experience. And again, I didn't train Wushu Sanda, but my two black belts are in. Taekwondo and Kenpo Karate. And both those are very rigid, differently rigid kicking styles. Taekwondo 
is a more dexterity-based yet hard-kicking style, whereas traditional karate and kempo karate, especially like if you're getting into Shotokan, is more the rigid style, whereas kempo a little more of a fluid style. In fact, we were Chinese-based kempo, hence our relationship with China and the Shaolin Temple and my opportunities to train. Um, so it was very Chinese-based kempo. So we had katas. We had two different forms. We had katas, and what was the other one fucking called? But it was more Chinese, and you essentially start off with barely more basic katas. Your forms were very rigid, and once you start getting to the middle rank, not even the middle ranks are still pretty rigid. Once you start getting to the green and brown belts of the world, which is more toward the top of your taekwondo or your karate style rankings, um, it started getting much more fluid and, and more more kung fu sense. And I was like a kung fu head. So that's all I wanted. Um, and the, you would notice the difference on certain kicks too. And like, I came from Taekwondo and, and whatnot. And my flexibility wasn't gone by any means, but it was weird. I don't know if it was because of injuries I had from doing certain kicks and abusing the fact that I used to do splits and Chinese style splits as, as a kid when I competed Taekwondo. Um, uh, again, I was, as a kid, so I don't really count that black belt, but for what it's worth, I did compete at a national level. And I don't know if I just kind of was really careless because I remember hurting myself like in other sports as well with like my, my hips and my legs. And uh, I just remember kind of really adopting the more in Kempo Karate style, which some people and we didn't, you know, we would still teach a basic sidekick, but you'd see the more advanced instructors almost throwing it Kung Fu Chinese style where your stance, you're not you're not as you're not as squared. Uh, you're not as uh, bladed and you're more squared. And we did a lot more sparring, a lot more realistic sparring. We would have grappling days, we would have boxing days, and then we would have all-out just uh, karate kickboxing days, which were the majority of the days. So what I found was not only did the, the, the more Chinese style look cooler and was easier on my hips to do, um, you're kind of blading your, you're blading your, we call it side blade kick because you're almost curling your, and blading your foot down. So you weren't, you weren't even like, uh, and that's kind of the gift to it too. It's harder to chamber and hit your heel. You really have to turn sideways and get bladed uh, in your stance. Whereas you're hitting with the blade. I'm talking about bladed stance. Don't get confused. Whereas the Chinese style, you're hitting with the bladed part of your foot, the outside of your foot. So your knee and your foot are kind of doing this inward kind of curling motion. And your uh, heel is kind of at a 45. So a little bit will be connecting. You know, you're still hitting with a really strong part of your foot, but it's a different part of your foot. And it's because you're sacrificing, you're throwing it from a more squared stance. And back to what I said about the sparring is I got, also saw more of a use of that when I would spar because, um, because uh, you could attach your punches much easier, right? Like, whereas when I was fighting from a blade stance, a bladed stance, usually when I was in my southpaw stance, I was really good with wing blocking and my straight right jabs, but I was really limited to just right jabs and right kicks because that was the side that was forward, right? Um, they were hard shots, but they were limited shots. And I was great defensively. I feel like I was like Neo from the Matrix, right? Between limiting your target from the bladed stance to using your elbow and other things to block. Um, it, it was It was great, but... Uh, but the, the, you know, kicking from that more square bladed stance was great. And also in this, we're, we're, we're going back to Wei Li Zhang here, folks. Dan Hardy noted that he had some Muay Thai trainers in her corner. She definitely has that influence. I think she might've even went out to Tiger Muay Thai a time or two, but 
um, as I started kind of learning about Muay Thai, and although I didn't really get into my official Muay Thai training, this was more just shit you saw from movies or my buddy Christian Silva, who got me in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, was, was showing me about because he would fight Thai style in our karate classes. Like, he would do, like, straight Tong Po with the hands open and just start fucking slamming kicks into people's body. But the only Thai style thing that I did at that time was leg checks. I loved them. Like, I was the, the freak that was taken, and I, I actually have calluses and uh, calcium deposits and ridges all along my shin bones from it. I would take uh, Filipino Escrima sticks and whack. I've had them broken on my calf before and broken on my leg before even. It's fucking brutal. Not for me. Someone else did it. But I would toughen my own shins up with it. And it was a weapon. Anytime someone would kick me, even like just even waist level, I would get those really high checks up there and just try to get the check because I, I it would hurt most people's shins that weren't tough because I knew I, I, I had tougher shins than most. So I pride myself on that. Um, so being able to kick and throw those side kicks from the square stance for distance and have those checks were huge for Dan Tom. We really didn't have the best hands, especially back then. Uh, and Willie Zhang does a lot of that. Now, in theory, could she do that, mix in her front teeps? Sure. But I, I don't know how long. You know, those aren't really knockout shots. Those really haven't stopped Andrade before. I mean, they stopped her in her tracks a couple times when they landed good, like when Yin Jacek did it. But, you know... Um, that wasn't the reason why Yan Jacek won. It was all the other things Yan Jacek did and layered with, you know, from her get-up game to her countering game and things that we haven't seen Zhang do. And we haven't even seen, seen Zhang do what, I know I'm trying to be pronouncing this right, uh, what, you know, even her game is for five rounds. I mean, even in her title fights in China, different rules and regulation, folks. Those were like two-round fights. Um, I mean, she shows a good pace, but... But, but yeah, uh, she still shows she can be countered. Now, I put, you know, I think her best countering move actually is going to be her check left hook. With the left to right continuums that I was talking about with the Wushu, Zhang has parlayed that a little bit better into, uh, what, you know, as far as Western boxing. We don't see her throw the jab too much, but she will throw a nice check hook. Uh, she has some nice umph on. So I think that shot will have some play to look out for. But really, it's right hands that well, have hit both girls. I mean, Andrade's Andrade, left eye always gets marked up, hence right hands. But Zhang, man, I mean, that end of the first round against Daniel Taylor, and even in some exchanges with uh, Tisha Torres, one in particular looks like she's stunned and off balance. So for everything Andrade is taking, we really haven't seen her stun. We've seen her kind of brain fart, but that was early in her career, up a division. Maybe she wasn't up two divisions, I should say. Hence, she probably wasn't, you know, doing as much in the conditioning, which can lead to that mid-fight fog, if you will. But uh, nothing really gets Andrade off her game, especially at this weight class. So that's why I'm taking Andrade. Zhang's going to have to really plant some serious seeds or get the finish early in the first, like, seven or eight minutes. Otherwise, I think... Uh, Andrade is pulling away midway through that second round. Um, I don't like either line enough to play it. I haven't played it yet. I might put Andrade in a parlay for fun. I'll definitely put her in my main card for fun parlay that I always do. But really no place here. Over-unders aren't out. Um, I really don't know if Andrade is going to get the finish, even though she's got the best right hand, and we've seen Vili Zhang rock, uh, rock by right hand. So part of me was tempted to put fourth round TKO stoppage but uh, I'm not sure Zhang is just mutant strong uh, <laughs> I know I shouldn't be saying this well she's not retard strong like Li Jing Lang team spectrum baby uh, uh, Li Zhang is team mutant she is team there is a difference there she was created in a lab she's mutant strong look at those thighs those tick toys look at those tick toys there 
Tick toys. All right, all right, all right. Moving on. Uh, Elise's Leski Dos Santos. Co-main event, minus 275 versus Jingliang Li. <laughs> or as I say, team, team special. <laughs> he is, though. He is. Even even my buddy Montel, who's, like, the nicest dude, like, he, uh, you know, he's the kind of dude that will, like, give his time for causes, da da da, da. He's a pro fighter at, like, middleweight, welterweight, right? And he went with uh, Li Jingliang when he was uh, one of his uh, couple, few, many uh, trips to Extreme Couture there. And I was like, oh, Montel. Be real with me here. You roll with Lee. He's like, oh yeah, I roll with the Lee. I'm like, guy's retard strong, right? I mean, he looks retard strong. Like he's he's, he's strong from positions he shouldn't be in. <laughs> Montel, nicest guy in the world. Was, oh, so retard strong, so retard strong, bro. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry, folks. I grew up in the '80s and '90s. All right, I'm not. <laughs> You know who else seems like he's feel he, you know who, who I think would be operating on a similar vibe and, and maybe this is more of a sympathetic character because he is a sympathetic character. You love him, I love him. He's Ray Longo, but like Longo, who we'll talk about later in the card, he's uh, he's he's gonna be you know, I don't know, he's not gonna be cornering, but he was working with Mizuki Anaway and he's cornered her before. <laughs> and Longo seems like a guy that would just throw old school terms like, "Hey, I'm cornering the Oriental this weekend." Longo, what? You can't say that. What, Oriental? Come on. <laughs> uh, I don't like this line, though, guys. I like Dos Santos here. I think it's a tough matchup for Lee, but you could make an argument that it's a tough matchup for Dos Santos. Um, it's hard, right? Because Lee's, like, rocked at every fight, but you go look at it. The dude's never been KO'd. His recoverability is insane. His, his pace is insane. Um... You know, I believe he's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And again, he's got that just, you know, our strength. I'm trying not to say it, folks. I'm trying. It's so hard. Uh, it, you know, and uh, um, Jesus, learning disability, Dan, here. See, I have a learning disability as well, folks. People don't know about it. I'm not going to get into that now. But I'm going to lean on that to use the R word. Uh, I'm, but I'm going to keep it to R word. Try not to say it. But no, he's got that, that strength to get out of those positions and whatnot. Um, even though, you know... Capoeira finally started like showing that he actually will use takedowns because he really hasn't throughout his UFC career. Uh, that's part of the reason why that and you know MMA Junkie Radio bias. Uh, <laughs> I love I love Curtis Curtis man. Uh, you know coming into the studio and whatnot and uh, he was saying the right things. But yeah, we we uh, we, we see where where his ground. And he admitted as much. So so hopefully he took his time and working that freaking ground game. But but yeah. Um, Dos Santos just even when it made sense he 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 wasn't taking guys down, but now he's shown shown to do that. You listen to his post fight speech. Um, he's got Thiago Camora as uh, a good manager. Um, I think the guy's more focused. He knows his value and he knows his skill. And it's kind of time to stop messing around. Show and he made it a point to show that he could use his ground game. Made it a point. Point taken, man. I was already a fan, but point fucking taken. Uh, Eliezer Zaleski. Um, by the way, by the way, how about a final countdown? I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if any fighters are gonna, you know, like I always say, these China fights or these China podcasts. I'm, I'm hoping we're gonna hear some Wang Fei Hong, a little bit of drunken master. But uh, if, if the, obviously the only main reason, if only reason to wa- watch this card is the main event. Um, the second reason, though, Elise Zuleski final countdown walkout. Da-da-da. 
Should we go after that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, um, I'm pretty stoked about that. But but yeah, his left to right as well. You know, um, Capoeira different than Wushu Sanda, but they share a lot of the same principles based on the uh, different amount of loves and different types of spins. But love for spins involve left to right continuums. And you hear Jimmy Smith, who another great analyst, does a great job breaking down the Sean Strickland knockout. How how that can serve as a distraction. And and I, I definitely get his point there. Moving the top half of the trunk. And the lower half spins definitely hides the motion, but yeah, it just it hides the motion. Um, it sets up his combinations, and when he's getting hit, when I'm when I'm going back to rewatch a lot of the shots that Dos Santos is taking, they're not as hard as they appear. Um, you know, which is also why these fights look closer than they are. You know, um, he sets up split decisions and whatnot. But if you look at it, because of that left to right momentum that he keeps, he's actually rolling a lot with the punches. Uh, rolling a lot with it and not taking a lot of the impact. Um, the unfortunate part about that, aside from perception of judging, is that when he does get hit, he's usually running right into the shots. Hence the uh, Max Payne Griffin fight where he, uh, he gets dropped a couple times there. Um, I think maybe once, maybe the other one's like more of an off-balancing, but still. Uh, so that's definitely something to watch out for, you know. Um, the lateral movement, the distancing, the stance switching, hopefully that'll keep... Uh, Li Jing Lang's leg kicks away because Li Jing Lang loves going for the calf and the leg now. Uh, but the problem is, is this is always a problem with Li is his defense, man. And not only that, he really leans heavy to one side, uh, to his right. He'll really dip down and heavy into his right. So um, I actually think he gets his first knockout loss here. And I think it becomes from either a flying knee or his spin kick. Um I know he finished two of his last three fights with those, so big stretch. But if you look at the way Lee bobs his head, changes his level down, and dips off slightly to the right, he's just he's opening up for those. So I think that's how Zaleski does it. But the reason why maybe I'm not so quick to bet him at this price, at least two seventy five, is because what are we seeing with kickers and being reminded it's pressure fighters are their worst nightmares? Well. Zaleski can do more than kick. He's got good jujitsu, but so did Anthony Pettis, right? Um, and a pressuring guy who can make it ugly, uh, that's Lee. Keep pace, that's Lee. Uh, and we know Dos Santos can keep pace too, but uh, Lee does it at a much just more concise pace and a much more con one that's kinder to the judge's eyes, right? Whereas Dos Santos will just keep, won't say no and will just kind of take and go back and forth with shit as well. Um... <clears throat> So, so Lee starts pressing through and pressuring him and putting together combinations and taking him down against the fence and making it ugly. Like, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be sweating. So, I mean, I'm probably still going to play Dos Santos light. Uh, maybe I'll sprinkle on the KO and I'll, I'll sprinkle on him for my for fun main card parlay. But aside from that, folks, like, I mean, I'm really not, not even sure if I'm going to really, really, really touch him. Um, I haven't yet. So, yeah. All right, next fight, Kai Kara France minus 225, Mark De La Rosa plus 185. Um, yeah, man, I just, I like Kai Kara France here. In fact, I wrote Kai Kara France question mark next to parlay. I don't have a parlay piece or parlay to give out, but if I did have a parlay piece gun to the head, I think Kai Kara France would probably be my favorite. I know the two Brazilians at the top are, are going to be popular picks, and you're probably right. You're probably going to cash. Uh, but. 
I, I do like the Kaikara France. He's got a lot less longer to travel, whereas De La Rosa, I know he got t- tired and didn't look the greatest in the last fight, but it was short notice. It was like three or four weeks notice they had to prep. Um, and it was against a really good fighter who I and many are high on, which is Alex Perez. Not Alex Perez. Is Alex Perez? There's too many Perez's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yep, Alex Perez. Alex Perez. Um, and yeah, so you can't really do... But that also was at 135, so now he's got to go back down to 125. He used to be a big boy, De La Rosa. And he's got to do it while traveling across the goddamn world. Um, whereas Kaikara France, not as, not as far as the travel for him. Uh, and I didn't really like De La Rosa's attitude. I know, again, he was probably tired, but even when he wasn't as tired... He was still accepting bottom and not doing a lot off his back. It's definitely not where his strength is at. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I just think uh, Kaikara France is going to be the faster striker and the better wrestler, so he's going to be able to dictate where the fight goes. And I think he should be able to just outspeed lateral movement and kick at the boxing predominant uh, Mark De La Rosa. So, uh, yeah, I like Kaikara France in this spot. All right, next, uh, I'm going to try to... Speed this up, folks. Mazvar Evloev. Man, that's a big line. Minus 950 versus uh, Zhang Hong Lu, or as I say, Zhang Hog. Zhang Hong Lu. Shouts to my man, Wes Colvin, by the way. The hog, the master of the hog analysis. Zhang Hong Lu, plus six, 625. Um, yeah, they already fought. He already fought the Zhang Hog and beat him by decision. I couldn't find that fight. I swore I saw it when I looked at Evloev back in, when he first came on the UFC, but. Yeah, I couldn't find that fight. I, I wasn't really looking too hard. I, I kind of skimped on some f- tape footage here, folks. Uh, uh, but I did way more than I thought. I pretty much almost did the whole card. I know I said I wasn't going to, but I have to give my brain somewhat of a break, right? You'll forgive me. You'll forgive me. It's mainly just that light heavyweight fight with the M1 champ and the uh, the, the female fight at the bottom was the one mainly. So uh, not too not too bad there. All right. It shouldn't affect y'all too much, hopefully. But yeah, uh I think Evloev's going to wrestle. Surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's just going to wrestle here. Um, I was curious if he was going to go back down to Bantamweight, but, you know, I think he could still survive at 45 if he wants to keep doing this. And, you know, Zhang Hogg's coming in on short notice, so. Uh, and then if you watch Zhang Hogg, uh, I believe he's got, didn't you see the guy that beat, um, what's his fuck, uh, Charles Bennett? Um, but, yeah, he's not listed as, like, Wushu Sanda. But uh, a couple guys aren't. But basically, again, you know, again, Chinese striking styles, kind of like the, the point I was making, even though I'm not from Wushu, there's a lot of similarities where I can understand the principles. Uh, so you'll see a lot of these people, if they don't have the Wushu sandals next to their bio, I've got the bio sheet here in front of me, doesn't mean they're not going to look a lot like that. And um, Zenhog, yeah, Zenhog. Zen Hog looks like uh, looks like that a lot. You know, he's he's really wingy. He's super like almost drunken master style wingy, but it's got a decent uh, sprawling brawl and uh, semi competent on the ground offensively and defensively. Um, he'll play positions and when he goes for stuff, it won't be bad. But you know, he'll probably lose position more often than not if he tries to go for the back or some shit, which I don't think he's gonna have here because Evloev, even though he's a wrestler, much more dominant. Hence the line. Uh, Squeeze the juice. I think he opened it like a playable range. So if you were an early bird, good on you. But yeah, I'm staying away from that. Fochan mess. Um, Fochan L. All right. Yunnan Wu. 
Oh, speaking of that Liverpudlian accent, uh, I do. I know I don't like to make picks toward the breakdown, but um, I, I do favor Kelvin Gastelum heavily. And uh, albeit brief, made it a briefcase there with the uh, knockdown ratio. And also, you just think about, yeah, he just got knocked down by a an explosive, uh, an explosive smaller, faster fighter, Hispanic fighter, uh, from a left from the southpaw stance because Jorge Masvidal. Um, I was using that word all all day, and now I can't figure it out. Uh, drop stepped on him and shifted. Yeah, we're going to put him there with KG. Jesus Christ. And by the way, Diego Sanchez was undefeated against UFC Southpaws until uh, his last fight. So he does typically does well against Southpaws. So, anyways, I had facts. I had facts. All right, Dan, back to this breakdown, Dan. All right. Uh, stay on target. Stay on target. Uh, Mizuki Inouye, minus 150. Yan and Wu, plus 130. I was like, ooh, way low. Everybody loves Inouye, and I do. I'm just as guilty. He's, she's a media and hardcore sweetheart. And you can see why. I mean, even in her fight where, like, she missed weight against um, Viviani Pereira, it had to be a catchweight. Like, she's so sweet. Like, she took the time to write down in English to make sure she apologized, did it publicly, and did it in English. Like, the fucking making the Japanese part of me proud with that respect, right? 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 And, uh, and yeah, so that was just, how do you not love her? And then she's working over there with Sarah Longo. And she said she's not going to change her style. Um... That might sound closed-minded to some. I mean, maybe there's some things lost in translation there. Of course, I'm not giving the whole quote. But I kind of like that because she's so embedded. I think, like, it would be bad if she tried to change her style. Um, just take the wrestling and the grappling and those things you're going to... And the MMA stuff you're going to get from the Sarah Longo camp and people there. Um, and it looks like she's doing that. But it's still... I th still think it's going to be deceptively tough road to hoe because... Oh God, I hate to say this again. But Yan and Wu, she's Team Spectrum, man. Uh, I'm not trying to be mean, but you look at, and I'm not saying like, because of her post-fight speeches or, or, you know, the fact that she still fight, fought strong through a fucking dislocated arm like a freak, but, uh, no, if you remember my breakdown back in the UFC Shanghai breakdown in her first fight, like, even with her limited footage, I was going, oh, she looks like she's got that retard strength. Of course, I'm backing my girl Mazzani, but, oh, yeah, now it looks like she's got that retard strength, and to my credit, she did, look how strong she was against Mazzani, who's big and strong, and this girl really was a flyweight the whole time in what she was doing, fucking popping her arm back in, Jesus Christ, and she's just like, like Li Jing Liang, man, Team Spectrum, baby, Team Spectrum, so, and she's got a blue belt, uh, even though she didn't update her bio and list it, um, she has some kickboxing, love her quote, what was her quote, it was, uh, I put, who is it? Oh, Zeng Hog had a quote as well. Well, I'll pull up Zeng, Zeng Hog's quote. But I know Wunan's quote was just like, I, I, God. Here, I'll pull it up. I'll pull up uh, Zen Hog and Wunan. By the way, hopefully that Zen Hog name uh, catches on. Wes, if you're listening to this, permission, and I encourage you to be using Zen Hog in your post fight show. Um, alright guys, I'm really bad at talking and looking stuff up on my, here it is, alright, let's see who pops up first, is it gonna be Zenhog, or will it be Wunan? They're on top of each other, Wunan's on top of Zenhog. <laughs> um, this is usually the when and why did you start fighting? Uh, I started training martial art when in the mid, oh, Dan, don't make fun of the accent, don't read it in the fucking, I'm half Chinese folks. So please forgive me. I started training martial arts when I was in middle school. 
I'm not trying to pull a Brendan Schaub here. Brendan Schaub has no excuse to pull it. I at least do. Because I really like the sound of landing your punches on your opponent. It just feels so cool. All right. Team Spectrum, baby. Team Spectrum. Uh, and a quote from Zenhog from his UFC profile here. What was his one? Um, I got into MMA in 2009. I started it by chance and immediately liked it. Since then, it went out of control. What went out of control? Like, what the fuck? Is this a plot to a fucking BU movie? Like, the re the animator MMA animator or something. Like, some fucking schlocky Zenhog, man. Like, Zenhog is just out of control. Like I said, even his style. He's got that more drunken wushu style, man. Zenhog is out of control. Dude, how funny would it be if the biggest fucking... Dog comes to her again. Is Johnny? Is Johnny speaking, of, speaking of those mushes? Is Johnny? Uh, is Johnny on a uh, Oh man. All right, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take in a way. Uh, but when it's just gonna be tough though because I have a feeling Udav Wu's gonna be making this physical against the clinch and in a way he's added on some size in recent years, but that's still not like, pressure. Grapplers are always gonna be. Her kryptonite, stylistically. So that's what worries me. She's not the biggest 115er. Taking this fight, somewhat short notice, straw weight or fly weight, I think, right? And uh, yeah, it's that fly weight. And uh, against a former 135er who is just like, looks like she's as strong as me. So um, I don't know how much I'm going to play or if I'm going to play that one at all, folks, really. Um, I could be on the avoid list, but really everything should be on the avoid list. I only had so much room. I only had room for four. Uh, this one is not because I might be actually taking a shot here. Props to people who took a shot on maybe not props because he might lose, but I just felt like that that, that that was the number that jumped off when I looked at things. I just didn't get to that fight in time to jump on it in time. When I looked at the early odds of this fight, Derek Kranz is a dog. He was about plus one fifteen, I believe. Surprised me. Now the line is flipped. He's minus one fifteen. Whereas Song Kanan, Kanan Song, is minus 105. Um, I think because Krantz, you know, is American. Oh, lost Luke. But that was Luke. And Krantz has been fighting for a while. He's been fighting since 2008. Uh, wrestler, tough Texas guy, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, heavy fucking hands. He can grapple for three rounds straight hard. Um... You know, he may have to take his breaks if he tries to empty the gas on the feet. We've seen him kind of have to do that. But he doesn't have, like, some terrible gas tank. Uh, sizable, but not too big for the weight class. Neither is Kenan Song, Song Kenan. And I really didn't like what I saw from Song Kenan. You know, I, was, I thought maybe oh, maybe I underrated him. He knocked out Bobby Nash. But, well, we kind of saw what happened there. And then he knocks out, uh, what's his fuck? And I forget. It wasn't, like, that much more impressive, was it? Um, so I pull it up here. And then, of course, he goes against Morono, and I don't know who I was on. I know I was kind of afraid to take this shot on Morono, but I probably shouldn't have. Oh, Hector Aldana, yeah. Need, need, need I say more? Um, so I just don't think he's really that good. I don't know if he's training at Jackson Wink or not uh, for this one, or if he's just using those Jackson Wink or American trainers and the influx uh, in China. A lot of f fighters that were traveling are tending to stay there, so I don't know. Travel is a question mark. But even at minus 115, um, I'll actually take a shot on Derek Krantz. Uh, I think I did, too. I didn't write it down here. Wow. 
minus 115 Krantz. Yeah, I just took a, a unit shot. Nothing big or crazy. Um, all right, next fight. I think he knocks him out, but the thing is, he's got better head movement than Ken on Song. The thing is, Ken on Song's right hand is like his best shot, and he's really accurate with it. Aims right for the temple, and uh, Derek Krantz slips, which I like, and he slips nicely. But then that's also how he gets hit too. Granted, that was Vincente Luque, but Vincente hit him, Luque hit him perfectly with that. It was like that Brock Lesnar Randy Couture, where he slips. He thought he was out of the way and gets tagged anyways. Like, unless that perfect shot happens again, I don't see Ken on Song winning that fight. Um, we'll see though. All right. Uh, next is uh, stay logged in. Oh, yeah. Next is uh, Jun Young Park underdog plus one thirty. Anthony Hernandez minus one fifty. Um, I'll take Hernandez in this one, but I'm not confident. I'm I'm more excited to see what Jun Young Park can do. Um. I didn't see any judo accolades or anything, wrestling accolades in his profile here. But when I watch some of his fights, you hear commentators mentioning it. Um, which is weird because he gets taken down a lot. But then again, I could see some of it too because of the way he style he stands. You know, he trains that Seda, uh, uh, Korean top team over there. Dong Young Kim and those guys, I believe. So, so he'll, he'll like be quick to turtle to stand, which is probably why he has that one rear naked choke loss. Um... But usually he does it pretty well and quick. It's just the getting taken down part I don't know if I like. That said, I don't think it's going to affect him too much. Though, uh, Anthony Hernandez comes from a well-rounded camp. He's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. He loves to scrap and make it ugly uh, in the clinch or on the feet for the most part. Um, I don't know who was tweeting if it was uh, Z. Uh, shouts to Rockstar Z there. He was saying, like, Anthony Hernandez. Not sure if I can trust him. And I totally get that vibe from him, too, man. We... We interviewed him. He was a nice guy. He was uh, speaking to me, saying like, you know, the R word. The R word. Uh, uh, this guy was saying the uh, the F word. I'm not talking about fuck. Like he was like, Ugh. like uh, I feel bad saying it because that's one I don't really want to say. But I'll, I'll quote Spicoli from Fast Times at Richmond High when, again, that kind of uh, language was acceptable. Oh, those guys are fags. But like, yeah, Hernandez would like be dropping that. Like his manager there. We're looking. at him like, dude, he's really dropping this stuff on the radio and like. And then between, he just, like, was cursing and, like, put it this way. If you're cursing and you're making Dan Tom uh, cursing and saying things to the point where you're kind of making Dan Tom uncomfortable, like, you must be saying bad things. Because you guys hear the shit that I'd say slash even maybe have just said not too long ago on this podcast. Um, but, again, it's all in good intent. It's all love and whatnot. But, but yeah, but and, and try to hopefully keep it that way. But, yeah, this and I'm not saying he wasn't, but it was just like, oh, dude, this guy has no fucking filter. And uh, again, you kind of fight who, how you are. Your personality translates into your fight style. If you're a bully, you're probably not going to be a counterfighter, folks. Um, and by the way, Fluffy Hernandez over here, he beat some guy named uh, Jamoke Hunter. J-U-M-O-K-E. Jamoke. Shout out to my, my, my buddy Danny from New Jersey. From Bergen County. Look at this fucking Jamoke here. Look at this Jamoke. Uh, <laughs> Fluffy beat Jamoke, I wrote. Team Spectrum, Final Countdown, Wong Fei Hong. Yeah, we'll get that. So I'm going to go with him, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if uh, Jung Young Park surprises or if he's just the second coming of uh, Dong Yi Yang. All right, next up, Andre Sukhafta. 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 Versus minus 160. 
There says Su Maderji plus one forty. We got two people with these weird fucking these weird Mongolian motherfuckers. Um, that's what I love about uh, Sumaderji and uh, Demiris Magulov is because they're both like very similar looking but different. There are different sides of that Eurasian continent touching. Like, is Magulov is like uh, where like Kazakhstan and Russia meet, right? So he's like down, and that's why like in Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan by Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan, you see those like the Valentina videos. You see those Russians that look almost Asian and mainly like a more Asian looking. Because you're kind of starting to border into yeah, India below you. You got China to your right, correct? Now, where you have these Mongolian cats, they kind of look similar but different, right? Because it's a similar mix, but it's just a slight different geography, right? So you got Sumaderji, these guys. He's more northern, right? Tibet, northern China meets meets Russia up there. So you got that pale skin Russian, the real fair skins. And, and, and you know, he almost looks, uh, you know, you see a little Korean in there too. You see all that little Pangea, everything kind of, everybody comes from the same place, folks. But yeah, um, <clears throat> anyways, random. That has nothing to do with the fight, sorry. But, uh, Sukum Ta! Sukum Ta! Hit my fucking desk here. <laughs> you know, I get excited saying his name. It's like, uh, it's like throwing the Dutchie combo, right? Two, three, leg kick. Two, three, leg kick. Sukum Ta! Sukum Ta! He's just sitting there working a bag. Sukum Ta! Like it's Pokemon, like he's getting, like he's, like, he's a fucking Pokemon getting ready to fight. Like, oh, look at that. Look over there, it's a Sukum Ta! Pull out the Pokédex. Sukumta. He's a very aggressive Pokémon with a poor fight IQ. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Andre. I actually, I, I, I will defend Andre. I, I love Andre. I know he gets a lot of shit. And he even cites it too, you know. He knows what the haters say. And uh, he was talking about that. Uh, Sukumta. Uh, I was talking about that, you know. And he went down to ATT. It's not the first time he went down to Florida. He did it a bit with the Black Zillions. And that team kind of went through a transition. Uh, he didn't really have the much, the most money. You know, putting the money in his career as best he can. Uh, went back to Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Shout out to Woonsocket, Jose Young's the only other person aside from uh, Andre Sukumta, who's from Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Now he's back down in Florida at American Top Team. Uh, learned that, of course, uh, our own MMA junkie, Farah Hano. Go follow her on Twitter, Farah underscore Hano. Uh, had an article about that as far as uh, Sukumta. Training at ATT, I mean, fighters say it all the time, but we'll see, you know. Curtis Melender, love Curtis Melender, shots to Curtis, but I mean, Curtis, like like I said, Curtis Melender before the uh, Zaleski, Dos, Zaleski Dos Santos fight, was he telling us, oh, I've been working so much on his ground game, so much on, what is he after the fight? I gotta be honest, I've barely been working on my ground game. <laughs> like, I'm like, God damn it, Curtis. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so you can't, as much as I like these guys, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't trust them. Uh, and we're Sumaderji. What are we gonna see? Are we gonna see those brief little highlight things? I couldn't even find a lot of the stuff I was able to find the first time around on him outside the UFC. Um, or you know, his grappling wasn't too bad as far as what he was doing, and he survived against Luis Smoka. People give crap too, but hey, Luis is a good grappler. He was gonna, he was gonna get him. Um, but uh, yeah, I just gotta see what Sumaderji is all about. So I don't know. So uh, th this fight makes it on my avoid list. Uh, first of four, which is probably uh. Gonna tell you who, who, what else is on the avoid list because there's pretty much only four left. Um, so I wanted all but one. All right, next fight. Uh, Kalidas, just kidding. Kadis Ibragimov, minus 260. Da Un Jung, plus 220. Um, I didn't do tape study on this fight, so for that reason, it's on my avoid list. Just because it's on my avoid list doesn't mean you should not play it, though, okay? That's the only reason because I didn't do my tape study. But I did look at these guys' profiles. Um, 
I was a little more familiar, obviously, with Ibrogimov's name being over the M1 over there. Light heavyweight champion. He's faced better guys, no doubt about it. Quality of competition here. Um, I didn't watch Jung, but like, he's like, he's one again, some of these guys here, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, oh, I didn't even talk about these Mugulaf yet. I get to them next. We'll talk about it here. Like, they didn't start fighting until, um, you know, very recently, and they don't have a big background. And I think this guy's is just something like, oh, my friend's got me into his phone, but Boo Bell and BJJ. Like, there's really, there's not a lot to promise on paper if I'm judging it just on paper. So, unless this kid's some kind of fucking stupid stud athlete that I'm not seeing, uh, and the number's definitely not representing that, then uh, Ibrahimov should roll here. I just didn't do my tape study, so I can't be confident in the pick. So that's why i picking him, but I'm also putting it on the avoids list. On my avoids list as a disclaimer. Not for you necessarily, all right? Next fight, Demir is Magulov. Is my Gulov? I don't know, is it? Eh, I'll check later. Minus 185, Tiago Moises, Moises Kaufman. Uh, plus 160, Tiago Moises. Um, I came in this one leaning toward Ismagulov. Uh, Ismagulov will wrestle as soon as assuming he can stay out of the guillotine. Um, but it's like you look at Tiago Moises, it's like, okay, well, all his finishes are from the guard. Triangles, guillotine, triangle armbar. But at the high level, you're not going to get it, especially against like the Benil Daryushis. Now, Demir isn't Benil, obviously. Even detractors of Benil and lovers of Demir could probably admit that. But how far off are they, right? Okay, well, let me look at his Magulos wrestling. You know, this and whatnot. He's trained with all those uh, Dagestani dudes and whatnot. Then he's got to have good wrestling. Got to have some kind of master of sports. Nada. His only amateur experience. He had amateur hand-to-hand -hand combat experience, but. There's not a lot of a uh, ton of grappling. Um, most of those guys are more of the striking Russians, right? Or you see the Rashid Magomedovs with the hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff on there, right? Or uh, Wushu if they come from certain regions of uh, Dagestan, like Mahachkala. Um, Demir, he's only been training for six years. He has no background. He was like a goofy guy who a friend literally suggested it to him, he says. Um, that said, I really like how he boxes, changes his level. Like, his body jab's probably going to have some play because Moises really loves that shell. And what, what's always open with a shelling defense? Uppercuts and body shots. Now, he doesn't do the uppercut, but he's got some nice straight shots. Maybe he can get through the guard or do that body shot. But Tiago Moises can kick pretty well off of his lead leg. And Demir does kind of like, uh, he not as reckless and forward moving, but he did, as, as Li Jing Liang, but he dips more emphatically than Li Jing Lang to that side. And he does it repeatedly, especially when he goes to his body jab. So as much as the body jab's open, he's opening himself up to a Tiago Moises head kick all day. Um, Tiago Moises also, you know, wasn't sure about his gas tank. And I'm like, oh, look, look at him here. He's going to start gassing again. Uh, and then he actually ends up having his best round in the third against Kurt Hullabaugh in his last fight. Um, training at American Top Team. So maybe, you know, he's still, he's still young enough, you know, so maybe he's learning. Um, he already has the positional jujitsu part down, being more of an IBJJF guy uh, than you know just a wild, a wild, a wild, a wild guy. So he, he's he's savvy to position. Uh, it's got a lot of good wrestlers to work with. But is Magulov again? Even though he didn't grow up, it's, and, he, and I'm I'm tearing him down for not having the on paper accolades. He still wrestles pretty darn good from what from from the eye test. And it looks like I think he's at Tiger Muay Thai for this camp. 
Um, he's got like guys like uh, you know, he's got a bunch of Dagestani's down there, which is normal. They got a lot of Russians down there, but some recognizable ones like uh, Rustam Khabilov. Um, so he's gonna have dudes testing his takedown defense. So uh, I guess I could see why he's favored, but like this feels more like a pick'em to me. And you're gonna make Tiago Moises that much of a dog. I know he's he's got a lot more a lot longer to travel than Demir, who is Russian slash traveling from Thailand. But Tiago is Brazilian, and uh, when it comes to not MMA, the most traveling people in the world are Australians and Canadians. But when it comes to MMA, the most traveling people in the world are Brazilians, folks. That's why you see him over in Japan. You see him over in China now. You see him over in Russia. They're for, they're one of the you know. Why do you think the Brazilian the Brazilians are usually always the travelers to Russia? They're one of the few only people they can convince to go over there. You also look at it. They're domestic. You know, it might cost some money to fly, but they'll fight for cheaper. The money goes a longer way. So uh, you know, I don't know, man. Brazilian Brazilians seem built for that traveling for war. Uh, more often than not, they all do it. So Tiago Moise is going to do it here. And I think he's going to, he's my only underdog pick. So since he's my only underdog pick and he kind of overvalues from what I kind of set the line at, uh, he's at plus 160. Yeah, I, I, I threw I threw a unit, just took a shot on uh, uh, Moises. It's not the most confident in the world, folks. I'm not telling you to jump off this bridge with me, but I'm being honest. It's what I played. Um, and it's the only underdog I picked. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess. Um... Maybe not. Let me see this next fight. These odds are pretty close as they should be for this next one. Uh, we have Laura Procopio, plus 100, and Carol Rosa. Oh, I should not play this one because it's on the avoid list. That's right. I did no study for this one, folks. I am not even going to lie. But I do have these girls' backgrounds. And uh, they both are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, both accoladed. But from the tournaments to the camps or the experience, I, sli uh, I slightly favor... The Nova and Yao person, which is... Uh, okay, I'm pretty sure it's Lara, because she's favored, right? Oh, she's the underdog. Oh, she's the underdog. Okay, maybe I'm missing something. But yeah, I'm going... I lied. I'm picking another underdog. I'm picking Lara here. I didn't watch any footage, though. Uh, I just She comes from a better camp, and uh, I like her uh, accolades a little better in her on-paper uh, opponents, and where she's fought in the region, just slightly better if I had to pick Harris. I haven't seen anything, so maybe there's a reason the money's like that. Don't listen to me, folks. That's on the avoid list. Let me not stop talking about that fight before I dig myself into more of the whole. Last but not least, we got, Jesus, Hele Alateng, which they put that name, they did the Sumaderji thing again, where like a lot of the, uh, like the profile I got sent here from the UFC, they have uh, forwarded, they have, um, they have it all as one name. So, Hele Alatang, minus 140. And Bart Jarrell Danadena, comeback plus 120. Yeah, I watched a little bit on these guys. Obviously, I watched a little bit of Bart Danadena because he comes up in the Kai Kara France footage. You actually beat him. But that was during Kai Kara France's little notable rough start. He was only like two and three going into that fight. That was like six years ago in 2013, folks. But even back then, you can see he's a, he's he's he's, he's kind of like he's his more cleaner version of uh, Zen Hog. Uh, <laughs> he's more cleaner than Zen Hog, right? Who isn't? But uh, no, no, he's, he's got good kickboxing and good enough wrestling to sprawl and brawl. You know, even in early Kai Kara France, where that was one of his his 
his more set skills at that point of his career because he came from that little bit of a wrestling base there, right? Um, but uh, Hale Alateng, even though he's been fighting for not as long, uh, has been fighting for a lot longer. And he has been fighting a lot of different divisions. I'll lip 155 as low as flyweight. So kind of settling in here at Bantamweight, whereas... Uh, Hele Alatang, he, this guy is wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. He's built like a little brick shit house. Um, looks like a sturdy 135er. And when I watch footage on him, he really looks like he's uh, got a sick, freakish takedown game. Like he's launching people up like Jessica Andrade. And I like it too because a lot of the times with the Wushu guys, and you see this more, ironically see this more with the Russian Wushu guys, right? And it's frustrating because you like to stereotype the Russians as wrestlers, but you look at like a Shamil Abdurrahimov. That guy is a Wushu kickboxer, right? Uh, Wushu stylist. Um, so when they go to the ground, it's only like points. They don't really, there's not much advancing there. So they'll maybe hold a position. They'll maybe kind of, if you go turtle, maybe they'll kind of side ride a few punches, but they'll let you up. They won't pursue you. Um... And uh, that's what I was worried about with Alatang. You know, I'm not sure what kind of Mongolian wrestling, Chinese wrestling are his accolades. Okay, what's the competition? What's the styles like? You know what I'm saying? So, because, you know, like, for example, like Indian, this guy, that one dude, he's like, it was like Indian band wrestling. Like, okay, I don't know how much Indian band wrestling is going to fucking compute, right? Um, but, like, but, yeah, no, he, he, he gets the freakish takedowns, but then he's quick to pass and really athletic with him. He's athletic overall, but really athletic with his passing. And we'll go to side control and kind of just, I love it because he'll blanket position, but he's also smart enough to stay active enough with elbows so he keeps the position. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff you want to have your money on, but we don't know. These are just such sketchy sample sizes um, at the bottom of the card. I had to put this one uh, on my avoid, li avoid list, um, rounding, it out at, uh, rounding it out at four. Okay, so how did we do? Not too bad. 113. We'll be getting out of here at 115. Recapping from top to bottom, folks. Taking Jessica Andrade over Weili Zhang. Taking Elise Zuleski Dos Santos over Li Jing Liang. Taking Kaikara France over Mark De La Rosa. Taking Mazvar Evloev over Zen Hog. Zen Lu. Zen Hong Lu, the Zen Hog. Taking Mizuki Inoue over Yunnan Wu. Taking Derek Krantz over Ken Nansong. Taking Anthony Hernandez over Jung Young Park. Taking Andre Sukumta over Sue Maderji. Taking Kadis Ibragimov over Da Jung. Taking Tiago Moises over Demir Ismagulov. Taking Lara. Prosopio over Carlosa, taking Hele Alentang over Batgerel Dana. Parlay piece, maybe Kaikara France if you're looking for one. It's my best get. I'm not telling you where to put your money. Straight plays, not telling where you put your money either, but I'll tell you where I put mine. I just threw a unit on Krantz at minus 115, who I guess is technically my third dog pick if we use opening lines, right? And uh, on Moises, uh, plus 163 unit. Uh, didn't see any props I liked uh, on the avoids list. So from top, there's Sumaderji, uh, Rosa versus Prosopio. Atan Lang versus Dana, and only because I didn't do tape study, um, Jung Ibragamov. Uh, maybe even Zaleski Lee, man. I'm just having a weird feeling about that. Only because I love both guys, I just want to sit back and enjoy it. 
probably what I'll end up doing. To be honest, hopefully you sit back and enjoy it. Thank you for listening to this. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you do, go ahead and leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. I really appreciate those really helping the podcast until we get this big launch going on in this break that's coming up after next week. But we will still be here for the week-to-week contents. Not letting you down. Be giving you some concise breakdowns, some top five shows coming up. Don't worry. We'll be here. Enjoy this weekend. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your next.